Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Chris Sanchez. Chris is the senior editor at Mad Cave Studios. Over the Ropes, issue number one, is releasing December 4th. And Savage Bastards is available for pre-order right now. Chris is also a friend. We've met him at multiple Comic-Cons. He's an awesome guy. Chris, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. It's going good right now, man. Tell us, I always ask, where are you in the world right now? I want to say you're in Miami. I will be in Miami right now, yeah. But you travel a lot for work, right? You go to conventions. How is that yeah, a part of your, yeah, your role? Yeah, past, uh, since I've joined Mad Cave, it was literally like the first month of me joining Mad Cave. They were like, oh, hey, you're going to Seattle. I was like, oh, cool, awesome, sure. <laughs> you were more social media before you were an editor, right? Well, I first started being an office assistant kind of uh then they're like oh hey you can write here have a bunch of copywriting stuff and then i was like cool and then they're like oh take care of all social media sure why not (laughs) and then just a couple months ago they put me on editing and like two months ago now at this point they said hey here's the senior editor thing and i was like oh cool sure that's not a lot of responsibility so we've only interviewed one comic book editor before yeah. you. So we're really excited to talk to you. Are you cool with kind of schooling us on what it means to be an editor and talk about writing from a, an editor's perspective? Sure, I will try my best. So my first question is, just from a very high level, describe to us what it means to be a comic book editor. From a high level, it is job about organization, really, really at the end of the day, because uh, you are sort of the person communicating everything between everyone involved from the writer to the artist to the colorist to the letterer but even besides that to the designers to me coming in from like the publisher's side just trying to match what the publisher wants from this ip or from the writer is getting from this ip and sort of making sure communication between everyone is the best it can be because there's only so much you can possibly do with like different people and different ideas going involved but at the end of the day your job is really to make sure everyone's on board to make this one project be as best as it could be on the book publishing side the editors are the gatekeepers sometimes agents will pitch ideas for stories and books to them are you also on the talent finding side as well do people submit to you specifically or are you specifically just working on the editing itself Actually, at MacCave, I do a lot of the talent acquisition or just like going online and just finding people through different things. I'm in contact with agents. I do a lot of that. Yeah, mostly because I am uh, more plugged in social media wise and that angle than uh, other people on the editing staff. So they're like, oh, hey, you know, usually he's the one who knows like the one writer that's off to the side that, you know, is very good but maybe hasn't gotten the play from like major publishers and it's like oh hey maybe we can try them out see uh, what's going on there tell me what skills make for a good comic book editor what are the qualities that have led to a you getting this role and then b to you being successful at this role patience <laughs> <It's> probably <laughs> a big one 
because you're dealing with a lot of deadlines and a lot of different people and dealing with a lot of different ways of people working, especially with freelancers that have multiple jobs or have like one main job and then they're doing this on the side. So definitely patience as well as finding out compromise and finding out ways to talk to your writer and talk to your artist and seeing the story from their perspective and seeing how we can uh, sort of make both of our visions come true or if they're the same vision, how we can improve upon that and make it as best as we can. You know, because at the end of the day, that's really what you're trying to do is trying to make the best possible project that you can put out there and be like, hey, we did our best here and we're really proud of this work that we're putting out because that's what we as a publisher want and that's as anyone who freelances or wants to put their work out there wants. They want their best version of that project to be put out there in the world. Did you always want to be a comic book editor when you set out to work in the comic book industry and started working for Mad Cape? Is that the path that you wanted to pursue? Are you uh, a writer as well? Are you? What's your trajectory? Growing up, I always loved storytelling. No matter what, it was I was the kid in the back class just reading all the time, and I never knew what I wanted to do until like senior year when I was like, "Oh, hey, I there's really one like like I like writing." And I really loved working with people like on just workshopping and different stuff like that. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll try this out, go to like creative writing and stuff like that. And while I was at school for that, I really, really enjoyed most of all was the workshopping and like working with other people and really breaking down a story and breaking down pieces and making like those individual pieces better and coming up with better, not better ideas, but making other people's ideas uh, work better in the context of the story. I really love that aspect of it. So when I went looking for work or whatever, and I've been reading comic books since forever, and serial storytelling, I think, is some of the best storytelling, in my opinion. So I really, really saw that, oh, hey, Mad Cave, this independent publisher is looking for people. Cool. Interviewed, got hired. And then when editing came up, just as sort of a need for the company, Mark, Mark London, our CEO, was like, oh, hey. You know, we at the company see your work and we trust you to like be a part of this editing thing. And they gave me like big projects and a lot of stuff that you won't see until like later in the in later into 2020, which is kind of sad when you really see how far in advance publishing goes. And like there's stuff that I've been working on for about eight months or so or stuff like that that won't be seen until like later deep into 2020. But yeah, no, it was as soon as Mark gave me like, oh, yeah, here try on this editing thing and i put on that hat those are like oh this is yeah i like this (laughs) well congrats first off before we get into the actual editing process you were talking about how you find talent tell us for those writers who are listening for those who are maybe interested in submitting their ideas or their work to matt gave studios how do they get that into your hands how do they get in consideration to maybe either pitch their own idea or work on one of your books I know you guys have a like a yearly talent search, right? Yeah, yeah. So before I talk about that, I want to talk a bit about what Mad Cave is. Sure. Because as far as pitching goes, it's we're a little different. We're a closed house, which means um, all of our IPs sort of pitches come in house, and then we like sort of give those pitches to freelance writers, and they and we develop them together. So it's not really like you can pitch a story to Mad Cave. You can pitch yourself to Mad Cave. Sure. Got you. So that's just how the company has grown and how it's been. So talking about that, we do have a yearly talent search where we pick an X amount of writers and artists and give them basically the opportunity to write a spec script based on one of our IPs. If you don't know what spec scripts is, it's basically like you see a series and you write sort of like another chapter 
or another issue of that series. And then you submit that in. As part of the time search, I was part of it this year. So me and Chris are editor-in-chief. The other Chris, because there's two Chris's, because we'd love to be complicated. <laughs> we uh, and Mark and everyone, we sort of got together and picked four writers for this uh, town search thing. And we're giving them um, series to work on based on like our IPs. So that's one way. Um, we, we usually do it like every summer. And we plan on continuing doing that um, until ad nauseum, really. And as far as besides that, I'm always online looking for portfolios and looking for stuff. I can't, so you can't, you can't necessarily send me a pitch because there's like legal stuff. So you can't really send me stuff, but you can, if you have like finished work, I definitely can look at that. If you, a lot of my stuff is based like, if I see good people making good comics and I read a good comic, I'm the first one to go into that credits page. And if I don't know the name, I obsessively look them up and see what else they do. Not because it's part of my, well, because it's part of my job, also because I love good comics. And if a person made a good comic, I'm going to read more of their stuff. So yeah, like making good stuff, putting it out there online, a lot of hashtags as well, because I'm obsessive about that stuff. I find a lot of artists, but like different Twitter hashtags, like Portfolio Day, Invisible Woman, and stuff like that, that's really, really helpful for me of just like putting your stuff out there. Even if you're, if you're a writer, definitely like get together with an artist. Because the a hard thing about being a comic writer is it's very you're never going to get an editor like me to read a script. It's very difficult for me to read a comic script if I'm not working on it. It's very difficult because they, you know, scripts take a, a lot more time than say reading a finished comic. And especially, it's also harder to be like, oh, this script works better than this and this like that. You kind of need to see it on a comic page at, at a certain point. So it's definitely behooven. To some comic writers to be working with artists immediately or you know try to make as much comics as you can and put it out there and trying to build up uh, some reputation to get yourself known to get yourself and then highest editors also going to cons and following podcasts like yourself to know these people to see the people and talk to you know i'm always if i'm ever at a con i'm open to any portfolios any person talking to me about comics industry and stuff like that I'm always there. Working slightly in reverse, how do you guys identify within Mad Cave Studios what the IPs you want to pursue are? Whether that's continuing an existing IP like Battle Cats, Honor and Curse, or whether you're like, you know what, we need to start a new IP. Let's create over the ropes. You know what I mean? Like, how do you mm -hmm. identify what those needs are? So, all of our pitches or IPs or like the germ of the idea come from Mark. And it's basically me, Mark. And the other Chris, uh, we sit around in a, in a meeting for multiple, for a couple of days or, you know, multiple times in a day or stuff like that. And we just have pitch meetings where Mark throws out ideas and then me and Chris pick it apart to a certain extent or like see what works, see what doesn't work, see how cool the idea is, see if we see things in the industry where like, oh, hey, maybe we, maybe in this industry we, we needed like a wrestling book, you know, say. That's when we thought of like over the ropes or stuff like that. But how to make it different? We make it grounded and like more relationship based than like a super high octane wrestling book. So that's sort of it's basically more like Mark brings us ideas, me and Chris pick it apart, and then once we get to like the like final pitch stages, then we um, me and Chris like sort of split off and be like, okay, here's the one you're taking, here's the one I'm taking. What uh, teams? 
what writer, what artist are we looking for for this? And then we start talking to people. Are there any other factors, going back to finding writers, are there any other factors that come into play besides their actual writing abilities, whether that's their social media presence or... Obviously, if you're like known in the industry or like if you have a good relationship with people, I talk to writers all the time. And I and I and I ask them straight up like, hey, who's like up and coming in the industry? Who's like a really cool person? Who's someone you see that's doing like good work and treating people great? The person I'm working with, if they give a glowing review about someone, I'm definitely more likely to check them out than say just a random person on Twitter. That's generally some if you're like talking to comics pros or not even like not even just like comics people who've been doing this for years and years, but just like people who are the same as you. And you're just being respectful and kind to people in the industry is a huge thing because I don't like working with not great people. <laughs> it, it makes it makes everything just more complicated. Not just like in the editing process, but even after when the book's released and there's some stuff. It's just like Luckily, I haven't had to work with that, you know, with barely any people like that. But it's, you know, when it is a thing, it's just like, all right, can we just be cool people? So when you choose a writer to, let's say, start working on, you know, a particular IP, let's take Over the Rope as an example, because that book is coming out, issue number one in December. How did that one start? Who was writing it? How did you find that writer? And what were those initial steps when they started working on that spec script? So originally, that was a that was actually a talent search book. Jay Sandlin won um, our talent search, and so when we were talking about the different IPs ideas that we have, like Shozen, Over the Rope, Savage Bastards, these different IPs, we brought them all like to our writers and see which one interested them the most. Jay is a huge wrestling fan, so he immediately was like, "Okay, Over the Ropes done. That is mine." And we were like, "Oh, cool, awesome." Um, that book I'm not the primary editor on. I did like read through some scripts and read through doing like proofreading and stuff on that, but Chris Fernandez was the main guy on it. Um I did find the art team for Over the Ropes though on Twitter. So yes, just use Twitter guys. But Over the Ropes, um it sort of came how all our pitches come about is we have just a pitch document which depending on the pitch is more detailed or more open, depending on how much we trust the writer and we trust the people working on it um and also how how often do we like see the story do we see the story like clearly in a way like shows end we we know we wanted like a carnival horror book but we didn't really know what we were trying to do so we left that pretty open for the writer of the ropes there was a little more detail involved but we give this pitch document to jay and jay comes back with an outline of say the first and we also give them like oh hey we need five issues on this at like 20 pages each issue or something like that. Because when you're hiring freelancers, that's always a thing you have to do is just know how much leeway you have with the story and how many issues you have is very important. So Jay, we um, gave him this pitch document. And once we give him the pitch document, he has an outline for the five issues. Depending on there, it either goes into like breakdowns, which like we want an issue page by page breakdown of what you how you're seeing the story. Obviously, stuff can change in scripting. But generally, we like to do that just to make sure everyone is on the same page and we're all doing the same thing. And once we get to scripting, it's actually easier for the person if they know page by page. And then that goes into the scripting process. You mentioned that you'll sometimes assign, let's say, five issues to this writer. Mm -hmm. How do you identify that need? How do you know, okay, we should start with five? Is there a reason why you wouldn't go with 10 or 20? You know, is it kind of piloting? 
whether that IP performs well or? Yeah, at this point um, in our company, the only books that have gone on to like volume twos or or like we're setting them up for like volume threes or stuff like that um, have been like Mark's books and stuff that like Battle Cats and Nice of Golden Sun, stuff like that, that we as a company have been working on like before we were in Diamond. This is stuff that we, these plans and stories and stuff that we have, they've kind of been in development for a, a really long time. And they perform really well, like Battle Cats. Knights was like one of our hugest things. So they performed really well. So we're like, hey, let's give Mark these the big ideas and this stuff. And let's give him room to like just go off with these big epic stories. The other ones have been sort of miniseries. And there's no, at this point, we're trying to make our name based on um, variety and sort of how, how often we can come up with like new and bold ideas. That doesn't mean to say that we can't have an open world song too or stuff like that. But that's just, that comes with like, yeah, like what does well? How do we see the story? Is there more story to tell? That's a huge thing because if, say, you have five issues of something and you, and we get to the end of those five issues and you kind of really tied everything up, there's not really, even if it does well, we kind of want to go to something new and something fresh. I'm sure we'll take that writer or that artist or someone who did that and we think they're great and we think they're doing a lot of good work then we would definitely put them on a, on another book like anthony on show zen we loved working with him and he's working on something else for our company right now so yeah it really depends on just like what do we see in the market how the book performed did it end strong ending strong is a huge thing because from issue one to issue two you're going to get that huge loss in sales that just right. happens to everyone across the board but if it continues to build back up and it ends strong, then you then you know that the series has likes. So yeah, it really is a lot of different variables. So when the writer writes that spec script, from an editor's perspective, you get that script, you review it with yourself, do you review that with Mark? Who reviews it? And then what are your initial notes and thoughts as you're kind of developing that first script? So the spec script really is just on talent search stuff. So like it's during the talent search would they would be the spec script stuff for like different IPs. If we're hiring a freelancer, they wouldn't have to write the spec script. They would script. have like a first pilot kind of script. Yeah, yeah. We would hire them based just on previous work and stuff like that. But we can generally see if we're seeing eye to eye on the outline and go from there. But yeah, that first script is obviously important. But as far as like spec scripts and stuff like based on talent search stuff, everyone in the talent search, everyone's um, script gets read by either me or chris fernandez at least this and then me and chris pick you know the we pick the ones that we think are like good uh like a good quality and we get like all of those together and then we send them out to mark and geo and different people in the company and we all get together and just get a round table and see which ones are the uh, four or five that we like best Going back to the writer who's working on the new IP and the case of Over the Ropes, you mentioned mm -hmm. the outline. What are some things you're seeing that writers do well with outlines and what are some things that writers should not do when they're working on an outline? Oh, that's a really good question because I get a lot of different outlines. Everyone writes an outline differently. No matter who the writer is, no matter who, everyone writes in differently. One thing in an outline that you can see that I don't think a lot of people or like that is very easy to screw up is pace. Pace is a huge thing. An outline of like just 
how much is happening in a story and either is it too much happening in one issue or not enough happening in another issue and spacing that out making sure that you're ending an issue as strong as you possibly can so you can carry that over to the next issue is a huge thing that you definitely need to and and that's especially true in comic books where each issue you're getting like every month so you definitely want to carry over that interest over to the next month um and even in trade form if you're just getting it like as one single trade that's still huge thing to do so definitely pace and endings are something that has to be very um, well adjusted in the outline phase because once you're getting into the scripting phase of that and you still have those issues it becomes a bigger problem to fix when does the artist get involved do they have eyes on the outline are they involved from the very beginning or do you wait until it's basically a finished script so it's it depends on ip by ip some ips and projects i generally like to have the writer at least finish issue one before i bring the artist in other times when I already have like, oh, I know this writer and this artist. When I bring the artist in early, I already know that the writer and the artist are going to get well together. So that's either based on previous work that they've done together or or the writer has explicitly like recommended this artist. Then I bring them in early and like we talk. I generally don't, I let them see the outline. Obviously, every artist needs to see the outline just to have a feel for the story and especially when it comes to designing everything because designing needs to be done before they actually start on the first issue so character designs if there's any like creature or ship designs or stuff like that if it's like a sci-fi or fantasy world they need to see that definitely before they start um, issue one but i generally like to have an issue one done before i have the artist just sort of start if I have multiple scripts done and then the artist starts on stuff, that's even better, I think, at some points. But the artist is a huge collaborator in that. What does it look like when the artist gets that script? Does the writer still stay in touch with the artist, or does the writer wait until the artist is done working on the uh, script? And then what's your involvement in between the two? Again, this is something that differs from IP to IP. Um, it's sort of like if the writer and the artist already have a previous relationship, they're involved more heavily than if they don't have a previous relationship. This is also doubly true of sometimes with international. Sometimes, um, especially at MacCave, we do a lot of like international artist outreach and stuff like that to get more people that say are from Spain, Italy. We have the art team of Over the Ropes is Italian and they're great. So when you have situations like that, it's much easier to have just one line of communication just so no one gets confused, especially when you're working with people who English isn't their first language. But generally, um, I, the way I do it, generally, if the uh, writer and the artist um, don't have a previous sort of connection, I'm the go-between. When I get a finished script from the writer, and I send that over to the artist, then I sort of work with the artist going on there. I send my notes. I send over like finished pages to the writer, just so, honestly, just because as a person just being like, oh, hey, here's some art to get them more excited. Because the more excited you are about a project, the better you're going to do it. The more you're going to put more work into it and put, you know, and seeing finished art is a very special thing. In comic books, when you're seeing a person see that, it's like, oh, I wrote that scene out. That's incredible. And seeing it drawn is a whole new kind of thing. Getting everyone excited about the project as you are as an editor 
because if you're an editor and you're also not excited about a project, it is difficult to work on it. It is very difficult. Sometimes you have to do it and you find different ways to be excited about a book. Like I was working on a book very recently where from the get-go, I wasn't very excited about it. But once I started finding out the little things in the book that I was very excited about, I got super into it. But yeah, Ed, you're, you're either as entered the go-between or you're just uh, a person in the group, sort of like managing the writer's room in a way. But you're like talking uh, about a writer and artist who see things differently sometimes. And it's great that they see things differently sometimes. You have to have two different perspectives. But I generally, I'm generally the go-between. Or I just get everyone involved and we're all in like one big group as we're talking about this. Because also if you split off into little other groups, then there's some miscommunication that might happen. So generally being there to being like, hey, let's all have this experience and talk and be on the same page. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writerexperience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writer experience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favorite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favorite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favorite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flickering Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. So you mentioned that outlines don't usually have a standard format. What about scripts? Is there a particular script <laughs> format that you would love to see every time? I know there's different types, Marvel method, etc. What's your take on that? Oh man, I would love it. Script formats are pretty much. <laughs> Man, I would love that. Every writer has not very different ways of writing scripts. Well, I've seen a couple that are very different. And I had to be like, man, this is not. It's because every script has a different way of reading it. And then you're, something you might not know about an editor is you're not working on one book at a time. You are working on four, five, ten books at a time with different art teams and different writers and different all this. Thing. I'm working right now on nine books. So that's something you might not know about. Uh, and so when you go from one script to another, and they're very different, like the way they label dialogue. I have a person right now that's writing who comes from a film background, and they kind of write like a film script. And it's still like paced, and like the descriptions are very comic book. But like the dialogue is in like different places, and you kind of don't know how this will fit on a balloon sometimes. So at a certain point, either you're an editor who goes, hey, this is my way and how I do scripts, and you give that to a writer. Or you just adapt and just be like, okay, here's something that they're doing. 
weird or something that I'm not comfortable with, then you're just kind of just either deal with it and sort of being like, okay, because no matter the format, if it's good writing, it's good writing. That's just what it is at the end of the day. Once you get more into it, you're like, you can see a script and be like, okay, I got this. There's no problem. No matter if it's like different from like my preferred version of a script, um, either way, as long as their mechanics and good writing are down, you shouldn't have a problem. You mentioned your notes, the notes that you send to writers and to artists. How do those differ? And also from a writing perspective, is there an art to writing those notes that you send to maximize the results? I would say never send only bad notes. Always find something in that script. If something makes you laugh or something really hits that emotional beat that you're looking for, um, tell the writer immediately. Just say, oh, hey, this beat really worked well. Oh, this line of dialogue is perfect for this. Always send those good notes in. With like the ones that are like, uh, maybe let's not. Maybe we can cut this line for space or maybe um, these two different balloons that you have in different um, areas are saying the same thing. Maybe we can just set down to one. Or this camera angle that you're choosing is a little wonky that you're putting on the artist here. Or there's two different actions happening in this panel that's not going to happen because it's one static image. So those are an art to writing them is balance, really. Always having good notes in there, always finding what you really like about this, as well as like the stuff that could be improved. I always, me personally, I like to try to make it uh, as much as something we both can do better than just like putting the onus on the writer. So I like using we and stuff like that just to be like, we're both in this together. So like any mistake that you make is on me for, you know, not catching it. Or say we had a mistake in the in the outline process and I catch it later on. I definitely be like, oh, hey, my bad. Um, let's see how we can make this better. I like to be as much um, about the project as we are together in this than you're basically on your own and I'm critiquing your work, which no, this is as much a collaborative process as it is just you coming to me with stuff like, no, we are into this together. What can writers do and artists do when they're working with you and they're getting those notes? What can they do to make the process more smooth? How can they help an editor get the book to its kind of finished place? Being accepting of notes, definitely... If I say something, it's um, for a reason. I'm not saying stuff just to make my quota of notes. And if you see something differently, to ha be open to communication is, is a huge thing. Be open to like, oh, may I don't really understand this. No, maybe we can talk about it. That's a huge thing. If you don't understand, definitely don't be like, definitely don't accept it. Right, if you don't agree with it, definitely be like, hey, let's have a conversation about this. So that's you know, be the, you can be the one to be like, hey, can we have a Skype call? Hey, can we have a phone call? Be that person. Because as an editor, I'm working with so many people that sometimes you can be a little lost and like, okay, I'm good with that. I'm good with that story when really um, you might have an issue with something. I might not be able to see that. So definitely be open and be honest and be a person who go, you know, trust your editor to be open with you as well. And trust them to be accepting that there's a problem here and that we can resolve it just by having a conversation. When do you know that a book is completed? When do you know it's really ready to go to print? And then what are those next steps when uh, you have to get to the promotional stage? I assume you're also working on that. I know it's completed when the deadlines do. <laughs> uh, no, but really, really, uh, it's 
the book it's easy because lettering is the last thing so once everyone is given a lettering pass and see how the book flows and stuff like that and generally you know like okay well if you read it and it's the best possible thing that it can be usually you have deadlines that make it so it has to be the best possible thing but uh, if you're doing your job right you're you're no it's like okay this is I, it, the more sometimes people early Madcap had this problem where we would correct and correct and correct up until that umpteenth moment that it has to be done and at a certain point you just got to be like okay i'm done i have to move on you know i made this baby and it's as cute as it's gonna be I, there's nothing i can do here if i do anything more i'm just gonna throw out some good stuff along with some of the bad stuff in there and you have to learn to let go so at a certain point you're just like all right done and then once you're done with like all of that with the actual content of the book um, then it goes over to like designers for like designing the book, the interior, like sort of like how the how are the credits going to look, what's going to be in the back of the book, if there's any back matter or ads that have to run through it, and the promotional aspect. We have a great PR manager in Alex. Alex is very very. We brought him on board a couple months ago, and he's been instrumental in just like advertising and making sure social media is on point and getting assets from the design team of different um, art pieces and like character bios and stuff like that. And as an editor in that process, you are the one that has to deliver all those assets. You have to deliver um, sort of like the different, well, the different character bios or the different little shots of characters. Um, the covers are a huge thing in comics. So you have to be well aware of like what are the covers and and sending them over to like the respective people, as well as how um, we always have marketing meetings for every IP, and all of us are sort of in those meetings of just like how we're going to market this book. Is it a revenge story? Is it a coming of age story? Or are there any taglines or like social media pieces that we can use for this? What makes this stuff unique? So you're a part of the process. And then, as far as your career itself, you mentioned that you work on a ton of books at once. What's the next step for you? What's the end goal for you? Walk us through what we might see from you kind of in the future, or what would you hope to see? I have a really, really big project um, coming out of Madcape that I've been working on for a long time. And that's, you know, we're set to announce that early 2020. I can't really talk about it. It's really just a big thing about publishing where you're working on a bunch of stuff, but you can't really announce it until like so far in the future. But I have a really big project that's going to be a huge thing for Mad Cave as a whole. So I really can't wait to announce that. That'll be a huge thing for us as a company and for me personally, because I that is something that I have been top to bottom in charge of and like in control of. And that is sort of my baby in Mad Cave when like I have other like Mad Cave projects that I'm doing. But that is sort of my contained sort of like curation of something very special and cool that I can't wait to tell people in a couple months. <laughs> Yeah, the future looking forward to is amorphous projects that um, exist at, at some point in time because <laughs> that's how publishing works. Are you ready for something we call a series of seemingly random questions? I am so ready. In your Twitter bio, you mentioned that you are a part-time DM. What are the similarities between the writing and editing process of a adventure or campaign and a comic book? Can I tell you, this is like my favorite question I've ever been asked. <laughs> I, I love that. So much. I love that. Um, so D&D, &D, uh, no one DM is a dungeon master. 
D and D is like a huge part of who I am as a person, honestly, and a huge part of my writing experience, especially being DM now for uh, about two years or so. A very so D and D is based a lot on characters, which is why I love it so much and how it reflects just like writing for a novel or writing for comics or something. Because characters are at the forefront of the story. And if you're a good DM, you are you are writing to your characters. You are, just in this case, the characters are other people. And they come up with their own sets of dialogue and different stuff. But you are the one that are creating these scenarios specifically for these characters. Because that is on you to do this. So it's a... It's a um, it's sort of a challenge of being there for your characters and making sure that the best possible story is being told about the characters that you don't control. But it's a lot like you're writing and you sort of have a voice of a character in your head. And you're like, you're not, that's not really you writing them. This dialogue is sort of like this character in your head that's like in there. That's how I see D&D. Any writer should try a tabletop RPG or like D&D, especially now. It is instrumental to who I am as a person and it's helped me so much in my writing and in editing and everything. Love that. If you could suggest a question for one of our next guests, one of our writers coming up, what would you ask and why? Oh, uh, how much sleep do you get? That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a lot over here. <laughs> Which leads me to my next question. How much sleep do you get? Oh man, on a good day like four hours of sleep. I've always had trouble sleeping and with work now it's even worse but yeah you know four it's pretty good wow four is like a nice long nap if you just trick yourself into it thinking is. that it's a nap you're good to go yeah um, then you can maybe have it more than once a day <laughs> next question if you could be any of the characters that you've edited who would you choose and why oh i can't talk about like nothing that i've like personally like top to bottom edited has been announced yet so that's a very hard thing to do. But there is one that you're thinking of. Oh, yeah, for sure. There is one. <laughs> we'll have to have you back on the show yeah, after no, to, for sure. to tell us. The next question you can't answer. If you could work with any writer, <laughs> living or dead, and take them to any fast food restaurant, which writer and which restaurant and why? I think uh, when I was on this show kind of previously in the, in the con, Podcast, you've asked me this before. Oh, yeah, that's right. You have another I opportunity say, to. Yeah, uh, to I answer. said Tilly Walden then because she's perfect in doing everything right in comics. But to give a different answer, uh, Brian Kavon. Brian Kavon has been huge for my life, with just with Why the Last Man in Saga and Ex Machina and all these great things that he's written. And the thing I love about Brian Kavon's characters. I don't know his dietary preferences, but I would love to have a, uh, a burger with Brian K. Vaughn, if he allows me to. Love that. Just any burger? Yeah, just any burger. If he wants to have a veggie one, I don't know. He lives in L.A. I don't know his dietary preferences, man. Next question. If you could take a year off, what would you do? Just, oh, I would travel not for work. That's what I would do. Because I travel a lot for work, and... I go to Seattle and I see the inside of a convention center for 12 hours. And after that, like you're either either like going to a bar or you're just like crashing. So I would like to be a tourist. <laughs> yeah. Next question. Just in general, if you had one piece of advice, how would you suggest that aspiring 
or up-and-coming comic book writers get their foot in the door? I don't want to be cliche and just say make comics. Find out who in your industry is willing to talk for extended amounts of time. Everyone in comics is busy, but we're all usually open to like, oh, can you have like, I just have a set of questions to talk to you or something. Just, you know, know, set some time up and be nice to everyone in comics, except for the people actively being like destructive. Just don't talk to those people. Just, you know, just be nice to everyone. I see plenty of people on my timeline that are just good people in comics, and I am way more likely to talk to them than I am someone who's just being like rude and something like that. We've met multiple times at New York City Comic Con. Uh-huh. How do you suggest that writers and editors, anyone in that industry, maximize their time and make the most of it, whether that's networking or you know checking out a panel? I might have asked you this while we were there, but sure. what would you suggest? Don't go in looking for a job. Go in looking to make friends. Like me and you, we just talk like friends do when we're at cons. It's not really about like, oh, when can we get on the podcast? Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. It's really like, hey, what comics are you into? Like, what, like, how's it going? Be genuinely interested in another person's life and ask questions not about work, but about what comics are they into? Like what, you know, stuff in the industry do they see that's like makes them happy and get them talking. Like if you come to a, a show and talk to me about Giant Days for the first time, I will I will talk to you for an hour if, <laughs> if you need me to. Just and how sad I am that it's over. Just, you know, be interested in other people and make friends and because once you make friends, one you're more likely like me as a person just to be like, oh hey, I'm you know, I'm getting a team together. Oh, that guy's like, I'm, he's a cool dude to work with, or I would expect him to be a cool dude to work with because I am friends with him, or he was friendly to me, or he was generally interested in like what it is, not just about, oh, hey, can I pitch to you? Oh, hey, can you look at this? Again, you can do that, and that's not a bad thing to do if you're looking for actually making lasting relationships with people, which is a good thing to make. To not just get like a job, but get multiple jobs. That's a huge thing. Oh, and just, you know, making comics people are usually cool people. And, you know, everyone can use another friend. Another question. If you could choose one learning or insight from your career to pass along to those writers listening. You've given a lot of gems on this episode today. But is there one thing that you would say? If you're writing for comics, do it because you love it. You know, it's not a bad thing to write for, say, I'm writing a comic too write for TV or write for film, or I'm writing this comic to turn into a film script. But genuinely love the form. And, you know, if you're going to do it, you know, read. A lot of comics read, read not just comics as well. Be diverse in where you're getting your storytelling from, because you never know when that idea for a character is going to pop in, like, say, you're reading a novel or anything like that. Just, if you're in it, be in it to love it. The last question. Harry, please provide a drum roll. It's a real drum. Oh. Uh, improvised. Please uh, hand me the envelope. Oh, this is a real process. Jeez. Yes, yes. The envelope is being delivered over slowly. Okay, I'm opening the envelope. <laughs> do you think there's a real envelope? Uh, no, I, I do not. Wow. You'll never know. Question from the envelope today is, did you have fun? today oh with us yeah, I had, 
We also really had a blast. Did you want to plug anything upcoming? Obviously, Over the Ropes is coming out in December. I want to shout out the exact date, which was December. December 4th. Anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, man. Just, you know, Mad Cave Studios, we're doing a lot of cool and interesting stuff. And I can tell you, like, how, you know, big our 2019 is, our 2020 uh, calendar that we kind of just finalized uh, the last couple of weeks is going to be huge. There's going to be a lot more stuff. And I just, you know, look out for Mad Cave. We're, you know, we're indie publisher, but we're doing cool stuff. Also, Savage Bastards available for pre order now. And we hope your amount of sleep that you get is less and less. Because the less you sleep, the more productivity for us and the better the books we get. Just kidding. No, of course we want you to sleep. Well, thank you, Chris. We really appreciate you, your insights, your time. Please send our regards to Mark London. We love him. He's amazing. Shows us much love to conventions. So please send our regards to him and the entire team. Will do. We're all fans of the show. So, All right. Well, we appreciate that. We appreciate you. Thank you, and thanks to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.